inspiration. What's your best Disney song, Sam? Because um, yeah, Aaron's got some skills in that department. Yeah, Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? <laughs> what did Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? complete? Oh, what did you think I'm the guy? There's always an enemy in a Disney movie. All right, everyone. Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. This is our second episode. Yeah. Cheers, claps, hurrahs. If you want a sense of what this podcast is about, then you can actually listen to the first episode, which will give, I think in the first 10 minutes, there's a pretty good description of what we're going for. But and then, well, and then in the second half of the podcast, we talk about apples. Yeah, you might want to <laughs> I want to skip the first part and just go to what minute thirteen and get the apple talk. So some yeah, there's a there's a section apple talk, which I thought was riveting. Yeah, I agree. But maybe you don't want to listen. Maybe you can save that for later. But if you want to get a sense of what this podcast is all about, we basically talk about curious. These two definitions. I'm just going to leave it at that. Two definitions of curious. Go back, listen to episode one. You'll get a sense of what this podcast is all about. But welcome to episode two. We're going to go around and introduce ourselves. I'll start right across the table here from me. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm still here. Live from our Lincoln studios, I'm Matt. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Sam Gutierrez. And I'm Kevin Adams. That is the voice of our special guest today, (laughs) Dr. Kevin Adams. You left the doctor off. I did. I thought you might add it for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's very humble of you. Okay. And the reverends too, right? We yes. The reverends. Reverend doctor. Yeah. Uh, Reverend doctor. You guys are coming through for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> My mom would be so pleased. <laughs> so that's who we are um should we just kind of say a little bit about what we do um i'm aaron still and i'm the uh, music director at granite springs church I'm, I'm matt i'm worship coordinator i'm sam i do spiritual formation which is a fancy term for discipleship and i'm kevin i'm the senior pastor and i'm also the director of formation at the new beginning house of studies in san francisco Okay, well, we're going to call this, uh, this is a segment called Oliver-isms, uh, based off the poem by Mary Oliver, Pay Attention, Be Astonished, and then Tell About It. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. We're going to go around and tell our listeners something that you've noticed that is amazing you, amazing, astonishing you, and then tell, tell about it. Let's start with, uh, let's let's do Matt here. Sure. So, um, if you've listened to the first episode, you'd have heard me talk about the wonders of rice cookers, which I stand by. And I actually wanted to follow up because last time we talked about wanting to preserve the mystery, and I, I fully intended to do that until I engaged in this conversation about rice cookers with someone else who promptly whipped out their phone and Googled it. And I, I probably had the same concern that I know all of you listening to this have, didn't that just kill the magic? But I'm here to tell you, in fact, it didn't. <laughs> because what I found out about rice cookers is that the science behind them is just equally as astonishing to me. So the way that most rice I'm going to speak in generalities because surely there are exceptions to the rule. But apparently the way that most rice cookers work is, you know, there's no, there's no sensors necessarily that you can see. 
Uh, there's not sort of measurements of the level of the rice or anything like that to get different cook times depending how much is in there. So the question is, how does it do it? Well, it's based on the fact that water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. And as until it boils and evaporates, the temperature doesn't rise a degree above that. So the rice cooker, I'm getting very excited about this. <laughs> you are. The rice cooker actually detects the temperature and the cooking rice will not actually rise above that temperature, above that 212 degrees until there's no water gone. And when it does, it shuts off. So this, the sort of specificity of the way that our natural world works in terms of a boiling point is the very thing that allows us to have perfectly cooked rice every time. And our listeners should know that Matt is not using notes. That <laughs> came from so, his heart. So and that, his head. yeah, that came from his heart. Out of the out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I that, paid that attention. Like, I I am astonished. I think we all should be. I think that was that was kind of beautiful. It. it started in his head, but I think since you've learned yeah. this, it's moved to your heart. It's more, it, deeply. It's gonna live forever. Yeah, that's Jesus and rice cookers. Those are the things <laughs> that live in my heart now. So. Science. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. amazing. That's cool. Yeah. It, that turned me on. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> no, let's... Why do you want to edit that out? No! Oh, do you want to say anything more about rice cookers? Well, this I is mean... Your, this is your big chance to, uh, to you know, draw us into the Ooh, wonder us. of this appliance. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just throw this to you, oh, listener, because last week Sam made a pretty strong comment that his... His astonishment about some moon thing, ocean, <laughs> on somewhere, uh, far eclipsed stars. I've now brought a two for one that brought first the mystery of the rice cooker and now the science of the rice cooker. I leave it to you to decide what outweighs what. Sam, no, you can't comment on it. I didn't realize it was a competition to out-astonish each other. Sam, Sam started it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. Should I go next? Because mine is also a follow-up. Oh, please. That's amazing. Thank so you. this is something that I just saw on Facebook this morning. And it's comparing. So last time I talked about the wonders of space travel mm -hmm. and, you know, oceans on moons and all that kind of stuff. This one is basically the size of things in our universe. So this kind of brings things into perspective. So if you take the front door of any particular house and you say, that is the sun, that's the size of yep. our sun, then the earth is a nickel like on the ground in front of that door. So that's just the relative size of the earth to the sun, which I think is pretty amazing. I yeah. mean, you think about the smallest things on this earth, like maybe a grasshopper or like a cricket or a mosquito. I mean, think about how small that is on an already small planet around a star that's actually a small star. So then if you take the largest stars in the universe and you make that the door, then the sun, our sun is like a pea on the wow. on the ground hmm. like a little green pea so the largest star our star is a little pea and then if anyways so so we're small wow. we're small which yeah. makes you think hey we're kind of insignificant but we're not mm. which is maybe the most amazing thing of all is that smallness does not mean insignificance well there's this there's a psalm 8 connection there that i that i love when i hear um information like this because there are there are a lot of ways to um, think about how big and small we are. Like these days, you always see like 
you know, when I was a kid, it's like you could fit like the whole solar system on one page. Uh-huh. And then like when you're older, you see like how it really is and how Pluto is like down the street and, you know, the sun and the moon are an inch or sun and moon are an inch from each other, whatever. But when you, when you read Psalm 8, you're like, oh, so this is all, all this, all this galaxy or even what um, the psalmist could conceive of is a galaxy, which is way bigger than they, they could conceive of, yeah. right? Is, and it's still the God of all that and still... He loves us. So. I know. It's amazing, huh? It's cool. I heard once that if you took our solar system, Sun to Pluto, put it on the Washington Mall, the nearest star, guess where it would be? In a rice cooker <laughs> in California. Yes, in California. Really? Maybe not in a rice cooker, but probably because they're that amazing. Uh, but yeah, in California, that's the distance huh. of beyond our galaxy like how much space there is too yeah. and then when you're talking about the sizes you're talking about wow anyway so that i'm paying attention i'm being astonished you told us about and it. and then i told some people about i love it, it. and t- did either of your kids grow up with a bedroom with the solar system on the ceiling Aaron? oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um ian's a, really into this wonder he's really into the solar system and uh he's got you know the decals on his wall mm-hmm. um He's come to terms with the, the Pluto situation. Yeah. You know, I'm having... What, what is the, what is the latest Pluto situation? Uh, it's a dwarf planet. Yeah, it's yeah, a dwarf okay. planet. Okay. You know what's also amazing? Glowing plastic. <laughs> Think about that. Is this connected or separate? Well, no, just these stars. Does, you put on yeah, the right. The yeah, on your dark things. Oh, 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 yeah. glowing plastic. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, are there planets <laughs> made of glowing dark. plastic? <laughs> That'd be sweet. Yeah. So I actually came in today with a different one, but... Um, um, you guys following up makes me think that that would be good for me to do too. So my, my last one was a little bit lame, but it was, no, it rained. I loved it. Right. I went for a run that in the morning wonderful. and it rained. I, mean, I yeah. sense sarcasm. It made me cry. Uh, well, this one's even better. You Rain guys probably cheeks. experienced it too. We got hail. Is that Sunday also? Yeah. Yeah. That was oh, that hailstorm. I missed that. Hold on. I missed that because guess where I was? Apple Hill. Call Were you out. really? I really wanted to say, oh! okay. Oh, we got to come back to that in an Apple talk segment. We really have to, do to have an Apple segment. Anyway, there were, so first of all, it's like, oh, big clouds. This is cool. It's raining. This yeah. feels great. You smell the rain and stuff. And then, which is actually dirt, isn't it? Like, are you smelling mud basically when you oh, smell I, rain? Yeah, probably. Like all the oil and stuff on the street. We need an actual scientist. In the mm, we'll check into that for next time. The, then, then the hail started coming and you're like, well, that's kind of unusual, right? And it's a little pea size and they start to accumulate in the grass and that looks cool. And then it started, um, the hail got bigger. Did you guys have this too? They got like almost golf ball. Like where I'm worried about the car and windows and stuff. Like I went outside to like, I don't know, put towels on the car. I don't know what to do in a hailstorm. Put yourself on the windshield. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, but and I got hit like right on the head with one. And it really hurt, but I'm excited because the the grass was full. Like it looked like snow. Just and oh, like yeah. you'd I'd be slide down the driveway on it. Um, you were sliding around everywhere. These huge ones where I was going to break things, and uh, I've never really seen anything. Like uh, that is cool. Yeah. So my my uh, Oliverism Oliverism comes from yesterday. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind yesterday, I was at a church meeting of leaders, and those can be a mix of wonder and tedium. You have reports from people. Uh, you know, people you don't know on subjects you're interested in and subjects you're not interested in. But at the end of the day, a guy named Zeke talked about his church plant sort of in the middle of nowhere, California, mm-hmm. that was picked because 
It was the place where most of the sheriff's calls for that county came because of drug traffic and different things. And so he went there 10 years ago. And he talked about the journey of his, this, the desperate need for this church to survive. And then he talked about, he was asking God that it wouldn't survive so that he could go back to someplace less <laughs> God forsaken. <laughs> and now he's moving to Antwerp, Belgium, of all places, wow. quite a ways from where he is. But the way his love poured out for one person after another, just stories he would tell was sort of amazing. So I don't know, I'm, this isn't very geeky science, but just watching someone who cared about his neighborhood that much was just amazing. He Along the way, he starts a, a thrift store. He starts a love the neighborhood kind of thing. He becomes a school board member. He does wow. all these things. So um, yeah, kind of amazing. Love it. Yeah. It's a, it was a wonder to me. I wished afterward mm. I would have recorded what he said. It was so genuine. It was so genuine. sincere. I was there. Sam was there. It was he genuine. can vouch for it. Yeah, it was It was moving. It was. It was. Yeah, that's cool. It's a great Oliverism. Uh, this, I think, is a really good transition into maybe our topic for today, which is enemies, especially enemies as uh, they're um, discussed in the Psalms. So... I wonder if that made me think of the the John Wesley story about oh, how right. here's somebody who's trying to do, uh, or a family that's trying to do God's work in a certain community, but he still makes enemies. Right. So I wonder. This is one of a, maybe a struggle I have with this concept is how, um, how a, how a person like that has an enemy in his right. community. Right. Well, it's sort of interesting. Someone found out we were doing enemies as a subject, and, they, and we were having a conversation a couple of days ago, and they looked at me and said, Kevin, you don't have any enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and true. That would be impossible. And you would be just as astonished. But it's amazing, the uh, story you're referring to about John Wesley and his father, Samuel. This particular person I was talking about earlier, uh, in that city where he's doing so much good, he has enemies on the school board. People who hate mm. him because of his his stance on certain um, issues or is the way he cares about the community so significantly different than the way they think the community should be taken care of. And he, the thrift store he's been part of has been broken into and is like yeah. monitors thrown against the wall just wow. for no good reason. So it's interesting how even when you're trying to do something good, uh, enemies suddenly appear. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, we're going to talk about the Psalms, I think, a little bit. And it's interesting. So Psalm 1 and 2 are, are the framing Psalms that set it up. And the first sort of real Psalm in terms of a prayer is Psalm 3, where suddenly the enemies appear in the first sort of Psalm. That's like, who would who would think it? The first Psalm. There's the, the first enemies. praying Psalm. <laughs> right away. And hey, there they are. Let's Go ahead. just back up a little bit and just, yes. just think about, um, so for our audience, Kevin Adams is the pastor the head pastor, I guess, of Granite Springs Church. Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay, I'm, I looking, I'm looking for you guys for affirmation. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so I just want to <laughs> clarify that. And then maybe some people know this, but he's also a, uh, a, a published writer. Published author. Yeah, he's a published author. He, he, writes, uh, he wrote a book here called 150. It's called Finding Your Story in the Psalms. Yeah. And it was published, what, probably four years yeah. ago or so? Yeah. And in it, you deal with some of the most um, popular psalms? Well, psalms that sort of captured the range of the kind of praying that's in the psalm. So some popular, like Psalm 3, which we'll talk about today, isn't necessarily popular, but I think it <laughs> sort of puts enemies on a radar. I think a lot of Christians especially, but people in general are in kind of denial about 
people who oppose them and sometimes cover it uh, with sugary sorts of excuses. But there it is in all its sort of baldness in the Psalms. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, so I think you deal specifically with, I think, 11 Psalms, and then you kind of reference other Psalms. Mm -hmm. So you're, a lot of people don't know this, but you're kind of our resident Psalm scholar. Okay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, but basically we thought it would be great to bring Kevin in, talk about something that he has studied and thought about and prayed about for a long time here. And and then there's so many directions we could go when talking sure. about the Psalms. So we decided to ask him in and specifically talk about Psalms in connection to their references of the enemy. Yes. And thinking about connecting it a little bit to our political yeah. climate, some of the stuff that's happening. Oh, I didn't know we were doing that. Well, just... <laughs> Okay, as well, a point, <laughs> as a point of relevance. Okay. Yeah, just, just you know, there's a lot of enemy making, a, a lot of uh, adversarial talk. Um, so there's kind of a lot of enemy feelings. And like you mentioned in this chapter, uh, um, Psalm uh, is an enemy, like the second most reference kind of character in the Psalms, right? right? So there's God and then our enemies lurking everywhere throughout right. the Psalms are enemies. So you're already taught, I mean, you were... Aaron F- referencing already in the f- one of the first stories you tell in that chapter on enemies is about John Wesley. So here's a guy that you think, well, he's he's a really great guy. He's got no enemies. He's doing good. He's sacrificing. He's serving the neighborhood. Yeah. But people hate him. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, John Wesley was the first Methodist, if you want to put it that way. And the method was something today, which we'd say is pretty simple, like having Bible studies and reading the Bible. But people didn't like his methods, so they would, he would have gatherings outside the church because his enemies didn't want him inside the church. And then when he was outside the church, they would do things like drive oxen through his um, meetings, or they would play like uh, body bar tunes uh, outside <laughs> and try to get the folks to sing their songs instead of the songs he was singing. So, it's sort of interesting that... Uh, he had enemies, and his enemies were fellow Christians and fellow pastors a lot, which is mm. um, sort of astonishing. That's kind of interesting. But all too we, real. Sometimes our enemies are the ones kind of in our circles. Right. It's not the stranger out there. It's not the person we don't know. Right. Although sometimes with social media, you get the person. Yeah. Right. You know, or in politics, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of interesting. And um, I think we all tend to make enemies whether we want to or not, usually it's, it just happens. I mean, in one, in one part in one of your, um, in the chapter, you talk about, um, to our shock, we realize that not everyone likes us. That is mm. astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> Especially knowing the three of you. Yeah. That can't be. Well, you say here, we put peace signs on our cars, we eat organic food, we mow the neighbor's lawn, maybe we even attend church, but we still have enemies. We're trying to be good people. We're trying to be good neighbors. And people don't like us. How can that be? <laughs> I mean, why do we think that is, though? Uh, like, why is this the case that we have enemies? I think anytime you take a stand for something, mm-hmm. there's someone who doesn't like that <laughs> or is going to take a stand in the opposite direction. Uh, I'm thinking a little bit about how um, here's someone who's doing good mm-hmm. in the world and he still has enemies and you think, Oh, this is, that's kind of a little bit what Jesus is doing, right? He's obviously um, doing ultimate good, but he's obviously made a lot of enemies along the way, right? 
I think we all have enemies. I, you know, we were prepping for this talk, and I was thinking, do I have enemies? What do you guys think? Oh, definitely. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Some in this room, maybe. <laughs> Surprisingly, Rivals. you know, I've, I've made some enemies. I have. And, um, and well, here's, here's a little story. So when I first started uh, many years ago in, in youth ministry, uh, there was someone that didn't think I was the right person for the job. And uh, they took me aside and they let me know that. So here I am, brand new out of college. I'm excited. I'm fresh. I'm inexperienced. I'm eager. And really, probably within my first week, I feel like I made an enemy. <laughs> not on my, not, not because of anything I did, but I learned quite quickly that there was someone who wasn't happy about my presence. Hmm. And that was kind of surprising to me. I think that was the first enemy that maybe came into my life. Perhaps. And that kind of comment would, like, you carry that with you, right? Throughout oh, yeah. that work that you're trying to do. Maybe for 15 years. Because <laughs> here you are. <laughs> well, I, I was able to let it go. I was, you know, because I, I think I was able to kind of put it in context or whatever. But, but there, there is something interesting in that, right? So we talk about one reason we have enemies is maybe because we're, we're doing good and that's going to rub against people. But sometimes we have enemies just because the world is complex and people are complex. In that case, you didn't necessarily do anything other than show up for work one day. Uh, right. But sort of the complexities of another person's experience and perceptions of you equally made them their enemies. So even though you weren't actively out doing something necessarily yet within a week, you know, you yeah. probably hadn't even had a chance to do something <laughs> that would cause enmity between you and this person. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's, there's something about that that's fundamentally yeah. complex, which is why I appreciate, and maybe we can talk about the Psalms in this way, the Psalms recognition of enemies itself opens up a world of complexity that sometimes we like to avoid. Yeah, and sometimes right. it's easy to think, oh, the enemy is someone who is doing actual things, you know, against us mm. or trying to stop us in some way or slandering us. But sometimes it's as subtle as, you know, this person lets you know that they're really not for you. Like they're not really in support of what you're doing. And they don't have to like actively, you know, get in your way or anything, but they just let you know that, hey, not on your team. I'm not, yeah. They're yeah. opposed to you somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somehow there's right. an oppositional energy there. Hmm. So how do you, what do you guys think about distinguishing between enemies and like a, a resolvable conflict or enemies and um, like wise but difficult guidance that you might get? Like mm. it could be that this person, uh, not this might not be the case, but maybe this person really sees like an issue with, with how your performance or whatever like this i, I shouldn't piggyback on that example because there are plenty <laughs> of others you could use but like if someone if yeah. someone i really trusted told me um something i was doing something wrong and or i was doing something i should stop doing um as are they my enemy or am i just kind of inexperienced and not seeing the bigger picture or whatever hmm Let's throw to our expert, I see. Well, expert I don't know about name. expert, but I, which, that strikes me as a very helpful distinction. Like there are a lot of folks who, well, anybody who's married has someone who's going to oppose them at certain times, <clears throat> hopefully, ideally, because there's a false, only because they're trying to get away that false self inside all of us so we can be truer to ourselves. But it doesn't always feel like they're going after the right things. Sometimes <laughs> it feels like they're going after the wrong things. 
and wise people, any wise person in our life does that, right? Where they say, mm-hmm. mm, maybe, maybe that's something that should go away or maybe that's something you shouldn't do. I, I think of Sam's example, if this person had framed it as I fundamentally am opposed to any person without experience leading the youth in this church, that's a different conversation than you just showed up and I'm against you. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's kind of a strategy question, uh, which would uh, be worthy of a conversation. Right, not with you at that point, but with someone maybe before you. That mm. was just a small example. I've made other enemies. Too. <laughs> Would you like to oh, describe well, more? Say some more. That was a <laughs> rather subtle ver- or uh, such a fruitful discussion. Now the one enemy, just the, <laughs> the other. Night- Matt, yeah. Matt, do you have any enemies? Um, have you made enemies? Inevitably, I do. Uh, I feel like sometimes the tricky thing with enemies is you don't know you have them right for the <laughs> longest time. And then something happens that's just enough of a spark. It's sort of like something's been smoldering somewhere for a long time in someone. And then you just throw one more piece or just give it enough oxygen. And suddenly it's sort of flared up into a full enemy or a full fire. Hmm. Right. Keep the metaphor going. But Hmm. maybe, Kevin, you could talk a little about. So you wrote this whole chapter on basically the Psalms and enemies. Right. So maybe you can talk about that a little bit. So, what's that all about? Yeah, I think some parts I mean, of the book sort of It kind of, of messes up me. these beautiful psalms. <laughs> well, it kind of it does. You know, um, it's it's surprising once you think about the idea. And it wasn't like I set out when I wrote the book and said, "Here's the master plan. I'll start with my second chapter on enemies." It didn't work <laughs> out that way. I just you start thinking about the psalms and living in the psalms, and then you realize they're everywhere. So even. Psalm 23, very loved and and very well known. People don't think about that as having any enemies, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Every funeral I've ever been part of has this. But then in the second half, there's this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You think, wait a minute, what's that doing there? Or Psalm 8 that Aaron referenced before, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. And then this interesting line, to silence the foe hmm. and the avenger. You think, wait a minute, I'm, this is like a creation psalm out in the moonlight <laughs> yeah. with my kids on camping someplace. And then enemies appear. Where did they come from? I so think I left it out everywhere. of my song. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mentioned it. Yeah, right. So it's it's just fascinating. I think that's how the chapter came about. They just the observation that enemies are everywhere, and sometimes we don't know how to pray about that, mm. and we haven't even we can't pray about it because we haven't even acknowledged that they exist. We just think uh, somehow things will get better, or it'll be sugar coated and it will go away. But sometimes they don't go away. Here's some here's some names that the Psalms use yeah. for the enemy: ferocious beast. Uh, a mocking betrayer, a vicious dog, a sword-wielding terrorist. Is that terrorist? That word terrorist probably isn't actually in there, but it's the idea. It's the idea. Yeah, the sword. Ter- and even terror would yeah, be terror. one in there. A well-trained soldier, a well-published slanderer. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a, a good one. That's a, quite a phrase. <laughs> it's a really positive idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. So that, but that's, a, that's our prayer book. That's kind of naming right. these enemies. And you, you have a piece in, in your chapter where uh, you tell this story about being at this retreat and this church leader is leading this workshop and he talks about how church leaders sometimes aren't really honest about naming 
the enemies. Right. Maybe you could talk. Do you remember that story? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a group of church leaders at a retreat, and this person says, so often people in church, there, there are enemies in church like you have, sometimes bewildering uh, in a bewildering kind of way. It's like, why did Sam Gutierrez, of all people, have an enemy within two days of being there? <laughs> and then what's confusing is if you identified that person as an enemy, if a church leader or elder or deacon came to you and said, oh, they're the nicest person on the planet. They're so kind, they're so humble, they're so thoughtful, they're so generous. Well, that would be bewildering to you now of a different kind, right? On one hand, this person has been really difficult with me, let's say. On the other hand, everybody's saying how wonderful they are. And sometimes in the church or in any organization, that's what's confusing. Uh, You think, oh, this person's being really mean and nasty to me that you might feel like in animal terms or sort of a snake. And people say, they're not a snake, they're a cocker spaniel, come on. But part of the courage here is to name things for what they are. And then that's a step towards praying reality as opposed to praying pretend. Sometimes it's accidental. We bump into each other in uh, the craziness of life. We just sort of rub each other wrong or we disagree or our kids fight and it's hard to be friends in that circumstance. But other times it seems like people do things on purpose. And that's a complexity of a different kind. Uh, and yeah. Proverbs talks about that too, but it, that's where it's helpful. In both cases, it's helpful, I think, for the Psalms then to just deal with reality and have us pray reality. Well, you're talking about you know praying reality, which I think is a really helpful idea. And one of the real benefits that comes out of beginning to use the Psalms is our prayer book. But the Psalms don't just say, oh God, I have enemies, and then move on. And they actually are doing things that there's an orientation towards enemies that we find in the Psalms. Um, I'd be curious to hear what are the Psalms doing with enemies and how do we begin to grapple with that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, Psalm 3 is a great example. So towards the end, it says, arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. And then it says, strike all my enemies on the jaw, (laughs) all of them. And then the follow-up line is, break the teeth of the wicked. (laughs) And then it goes into, deliver me, God. It's as if God is the only one who can deliver. And then May your blessing be on your people. And that's how it ends. (laughs) (laughs) As if David sort of, uh, that was the end of the night and he needed to just sort of wrap the psalm up and uh, sing a chorus and move on. But what's interesting in there is the, you know, praying for and about enemies. There's no pretense. And one of the things that I think makes the psalm such a treasure is it keeps us from cliche, Mm. uh, inch deep, mile wide praying because God is a God who can handle all the stuff, the mess, the chaos, yeah. the the um, the muck of our life, and we can pray that. So one of the things we're learning is to pray that, and to pray that very specifically, even emotionally, mm-hmm. I think. So uh, strike the j- a jaw of all my enemies is quite uh, animated. And then there's some specific ones about, uh, Lord, would you let my enemies fall into the traps they have made for me? That's a very specific prayer. <laughs> and then it's sort of interesting how Jesus takes all of that because Jesus prays the Psalms over and over again. So on the cross, right? Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 34, into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, But also even in the um, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, those sorts of praying. So Jesus tilts us then. We still express all these things. We still sing the Psalms, say the Psalms, pray the Psalms, but we do it with a different kind of orientation that the enemies don't have the final word. And I think that's the hope of the gospel and Christian prayer ends up there somehow. So we still 
have permission to pray our chaos and pray the mess and muck of our lives. But it, that's not the final word isn't vengeance. Mm. Uh, the final word is God's grace somehow. Well, the Psalms are our prayer book. So, you know, the Psalms are, we're praying about our enemies to God. Right. Right. It's not like we're picking up the sword and we're, we're not in charge of vengeance. We're telling, we're asking no. the Lord to slay and we're asking the Lord to punch people in the teeth. Right. <laughs> I call it the dentist Psalm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another Psalm I think of David where, you know, you'd think, the best thing to pray for your enemies was is that they would die, um, mm. but one of one of David's psalms it says something like, um, "Don't kill my enemies, otherwise your people will forget." Right. Instead, uproot them, dry them out, and let them be blown around by the wind. Or like turn them so, into tumbleweeds. Yeah, basically. Right. So it's like a tumbleweed prayer. Right. And um, so that's it's kind of. It's interesting. That's a super helpful distinction for me, actually, Sam, and uh, something that hadn't actually occurred to me before because I had a, I think I had a hard time separating how I feel about a situation and what I would do in that situation. So to be able to say, this is how angry I am, mm -hmm. and then just kind of throw that all at God and then say, and then let him. You're in charge. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I won't act on any of this. <laughs> yeah. I want you to know how I'm feeling about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I think some of this too is also like, to me, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about this. But the call of Jesus to love our enemies then suggests that that prayer against our enemies isn't necessarily where we end. Like it's it's part of the journey of processing what it means to have enemies, how we feel about enemies, what Jesus calls us to. And I mean, what's so wonderful then about the Psalms is that it recognizes where in process right. on this um that sometimes i think we approach scripture and think that scripture is always like the end is showing us the end result exactly where we're supposed to be and god just says actually our lives are more complex they're more wonderful in many ways they're more detailed than just here's where you should be and here are ways to begin to process and get there i think that's one of the things that for me make the psalm so rich but Throw that to you guys too. Does that seem right that it's actually a part of a journey and not necessarily an endpoint? Yeah, absolutely. I think Psalm, the book of Psalms itself is a journey. So it starts with Psalm 1. This is the two ways you can live. You can live the way of truth and grace, or you can live the way of the tumbleweed. And it ends with 150, which is praise God in the firmament, mm. praise him with trumpets and drums. And in between is this really multifaceted journey of every emotion and every chaos and every hope. Uh, and every darkness and every light that any of us have. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. If the Psalms are the school of prayer, then it's teaching us to name and pray these things. Yeah. But we follow Jesus who conquered all these things too. So, yeah, it's well said. It's fantastic. The, um, when, you, when you think about the Psalms as a prayer book that Jesus would have learned as a young boy, you oh. think, yeah. like, it makes, it, it makes the entire New Testament way, like, more radical and crazy right it's yeah. turning the other cheeks and you can see how he made his own enemies in his lifetime just by um talking about all this stuff that seemed very against what everyone was learning and, and i've always find it fascinating i think it's so right aaron that um that jesus had enemies but his enemies were always the religious people no yeah. so when you're a pastor or someone who gets mm. in a sense paid by the church to think wait a minute uh the religious people were always the enemies and it's the irreligious people who are his best friends it seems like so that's fascinating hmm. 
as well yeah. in terms of thinking about enemies. One of the things you write in your conclusion to that chapter is the Psalms tell us the truth. Yes. And then you go on to say enemies are everywhere. So yeah. for our listeners out there, you may may or may not know that you have enemies, but you do. Breaking news. Well, and, and breaking news. <laughs> breaking and any, news. You probably yeah. have lots of enemies out there. Well, and if you have a spouse, chances are you have looked at him or her at some point <laughs> and said, you must be the enemy because it's like the movie Sleeping with the Enemy in a sense. At some point you think, wait a minute, what do I think about this person that's in the bed with me? Um, or even to put it a different way, we are all our own worst enemy. Sometimes we could even pray about the enemy inside, hmm. um, the, the part of us that's pretty tangled sometimes. Don't you have a quote in your book about how the enemy, the enemy is between our ribs? I don't know, but I wish I did if I did. <laughs> it sounds, sounds good. good huh? Maybe there should be a sequel chapter. Well, that just, I mean, there's enemies out there. And then the most confusing thing is when you have enemies. Inside. In, well, close at home. Well, that, So, yes. sometimes under your roof. Right. Can be the enemy. Siblings and then sometimes, or, yeah, yeah, even parents. within your own heart. Right. There's, there's an enemy within. All right. We're going to do a little segment here called What's Your Beef? I like chicken and turkey with cheddar. I like a tofu burger, but bacon is better. So what's your beef? Matt, you told me earlier this week that you have a beef that you've been stewing, that's been stewing in your your mind's no. crock pot. Well, yes. the rice cooker your mind's rice cooker. The rice cooker of my heart. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, well, actually, this is, um, you know, I just want to start with a little caveat and say fast food workers of America, we are for you. You are we not, are not your enemies. We are not your enemies. <laughs> we do not think of you as the enemies. Except that guy at Taco Bell last time. Remember I talked well, about that Well, but I, I bring another cause for concern. Um, and it's not Taco Bell, but another uh, Mexican food chain, Chipotle. Rachel and I were there recently, and I was standing in line, and the person ahead of me um, was paying. And there was a malfunction with the machine and essentially what happened was that she gave her $24 in cash and the machine rang it up as receiving twenty three eighty seven, which was in fact uh, the total of the order. And I proceeded to witness a moment and this moment scares me for our future in which the person behind the register looked at the lady who just given her the cash and said, you gave me $24 the total was twenty three eighty seven, so I owe you. Uh oh, and the lady on the other side looked back at her with the same look, which, if you could hear the silence, <laughs> was a blank look. And then the re the woman behind the register looked to the young woman on her right with the same questioning look of what is the correct change here, and the woman to her right looked back at her with the exact same questioning look of, I have no idea. Oh, At which three. point the person behind the cashier said, hold on one sec. And I see that she's now typing it in to a calculator. Now, listen, I understand. I understand if there's a couple of dollars, if it's 257 or an obscure, a little bit, you know, numbers we're less familiar with. But this was 13 cents. And it's not a beef. This is like a PSA. Parents, please have your children do basic dollar and cents math subtraction. It, it, it scared me a little bit. 
I'm kind of co-opting my what's my beef. I, it's not that I'm angry or bitter at them. It's that I'm worried for oh. for the next generation. So you weren't necessarily irritated. Well, I was a little irritated at the fact that it was then holding us up that no one could add up to 24. <laughs> you didn't it seems chime, like but. you didn't chime in and say 13 cents, 13 cents. Well, it was one of those situations where you're not really clear what's happening until right. after you've seen the whole thing. And then you realize, oh, no one actually knew. Right what the 13 cents seems like was. she solved the problem like pretty pretty resourcefully by finding a calculator to do it for yeah but her. what if a calculator wasn't there and then what well, it's on doing? her phone i'm sure she's always got it with her oh dear, <laughs> oh, dear here's the thing here's the thing we don't need to do math anymore basically beef. people listen listen to me we do not need to do math anymore said oh, by an artist we have calculators oh, and they're God. on our phones oh no this is true I haven't done long division in a very long time. That's because you don't know. How, that's because you don't know how to do it. There is grace for oh, long I still division. Could. You can't add. You can't grace add fractions. For long division. I agree. Yeah. My, is this uh, a good time to say my wife's a math tutor and yeah. hand out her number? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Here's my beef. Ready? Yeah, lay it on us. I have two beefs. Oh, One is the other more double beef patty. Here we go. I woke up the other morning and someone was ringing their doorbell. And I was sleeping, so I got up, and I thought, oh, this is an emergency. Someone rang the doorbell. I opened it up. I'm in my robe. And they said, someone smashed your window last night in your car. Oh, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that, that was, that's, that's messed up. Yeah. What's messed, messed up, up, that you answered the door in your robe or that your window? <laughs> was this 11 in the morning, Sam? No, no. no this, was, <laughs> this was at 7 in the morning, and I'm not sure what happened, but apparently I was told in this community people will steal even your sunglasses out of your car. Oh, so wow. they smashed my window, and they took nothing. Right. But it cost me like 300 bucks. Uh, and that's not the first time my window's been smashed. One time, here's another story. Someone broke into my car. I had a bunch of CDs. This is back in the early 2000s. I had a bunch of CDs in the back seat. Someone broke into my car, smashed the window, took all my CDs except one, (laughs) and they left it on the front seat. What was it? Hootie and the Blowfish. (laughs) (laughs) I only want to be with you. (laughs) Which I thought was kind of funny. It is kind of funny. But still, they broke my window. Hmm. So that's my beef. That sucks. Can I connect yeah. to that beef? Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. was at the doctor's office the other day and uh, my car was parked. You know, sometimes you think about where you're going to park. Sometimes you don't. I had thought maybe I should park closer uh, where there's no cars around my car. But I thought, no, these are responsible people. They're at a doctor's <laughs> office. They, they will be coherent on the way out. Bad mistake. So I come out of the doctor's appointment and someone has smashed into the driver's door of my car. Yeah. Now, I would understand if they backed in, there's a dent and they backed out. But that is not what it was. It was they had hit my car and then proceeded to keep going so that this uh, new opening in my car went on for about two feet all the way through. So it wasn't, oops, which I understand, and back out. It was, I'm going to keep going and finish my parking job. And, And I came out, there's no note, there's nothing except... My $500 deductible, thank you very much. Oh, oh So, man. Sam, I feel your pain. Mm. I didn't know I had a beef until you had one. <laughs> that's, the, that's the that's thing with enemies. beefs. Yeah. Yeah. They spread. They you, spread. You've given me a beef also, oh, Sam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is Beef all around. People at my front door. Don't come oh, to my front here door. here we go. Oh, back door? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from my door. Garage door. Garage door? Look, we have people over. We're expecting someone fine. If it's someone we know, someone we like, 
both those things, then that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, so if, if you are qualified, invited, it's okay. This is an important thing. If you're coming to sell something to me, if you're coming to get with a clip, if you have a clipboard, do not come to my front door. What if you invited somebody and they have a clipboard? Don't come? Oh. And I like them? Okay. Then, yes, you okay. can come in. Leave okay. the, put the clipboard down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just like whenever I see someone with a welcome mat at their front door, I think, really, everybody? Everybody's welcome <laughs> to your front door? Really? What, what does your front door mat say? It's very plain. doesn't say anything on it. <laughs> please, please there's no greeting. No clipboards, please. This started back when kids were napping in the afternoon. Yes, we had, that's understandable. I think the previous people who were at our house were um, Jehovah's Witnesses um, or were being targeted or whatever. So every Saturday, 10, like right on, right at nap time, here comes the doorbell. So I disconnected the doorbell. And then they would, then I'd like close, and then Jelaine's like close on the blinds because they're not going to answer the door. Like, I just don't want to engage. You don't, you don't get my time. I'm busy. It's Saturday morning. And then like I was moving around or I didn't close the blinds and um, my wife was like, they're seeing you. I'm like, they can see me all day long. I'm not going to come to the door. <laughs> watch me make lunch if they want to. I'm not coming to the door. I would love Get to, away from my I door. I would love to watch you make lunch. <laughs> with your clipboard. Yeah, with <laughs> taking notes. That's my beef. Stay away from my doors. Uh-huh. Well, I'm just so delighted that we got to that rant in episode two of this podcast. <laughs> it was coming. Before, it was it, coming. It was always coming. If it wasn't Aaron, it was going to be you, Matt. Hey, Sam, where can people find us on the web? Oh, okay. So there's a couple places. Number one, you can actually find us on iTunes. We are there. But if you, t- you got to type in Curious Church Podcast, then we will pop up. It looks, it's orange. <laughs> It says Curious Church. Yes. So you can download it. You can subscribe, subscribe to our podcast. Oh. GrantSprings.org slash Curious Church. You can listen to the archive there if you'd rather as well. And any feedback, questions, ideas for future segments, you can email us at CuriousChurch at GrantSprings.org. Thanks to Pastor Kevin Adams for Thanks, being our guest Pastor. today. Thank you, Kevin. Dr. Adams. Reverend Dr. Here with and, your distinguished and, um, gentleman. Yeah, he wrote this book. 150. Oh, book. 150. Where can they oh, find right. that? Uh, it's on Amazon. So there you go. Simple, simple. Or you can come to church, but it's on Amazon. If yeah. you come to Granite Springs Church, if you happen to be the area and you're a first time guest, you get this book for free. What a deal. Otherwise, oh. you got to pay, what, $14.99? Oh, lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But, anyways, this is a great book. In fact, I met someone the other day that is one, she's a fan. Because she's read the book. Well, no, she said she, this book is sitting by her nightstand. Ooh, I like it. And she's like, I think she's part of your fan club. It's a good place for that book. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Curious Church Podcast. Thank you, Dr. Kevin Adams. I'm Sam. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Thanks for being curious with us. We'll see you next time.